Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Touch Tackle podcast. I had to think there for a second. I did just say it on it. It was the ninth episode. Yeah. <clears throat> Jesus. Yeah, they're flying by now at the minute. Um, with myself, Righty, and uh, obviously Govey. How Hi, are you, pal? How's, how's your week been? Yeah, very busy, mate, as normal, but good. I'm looking yeah. forward to this one, pal. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, today we've got um, we've got Graham Drury on Gresh, as everybody knows him in the non in the non league. Um, he's been raring to come on as well. Uh, um, You've been dying to get him on. <laughs> mate, I've, been, I've been chucking the mention in every week, and I so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, he should give us some good stories. He was he was eager to come on. He did tell me he wasn't going to hold back. So um, could be an eventful one, and uh, probably a two parter if he's a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if he's anything to go by so um yeah well let's uh well I, I think we just crack on and get him in because i know he's i know he's yeah. busting to uh to get started and get going and we'll uh we'll talk through his uh his management career and um what his sort of yeah. take on things is let's do it here he is hello gaffer how are you hello my dear yes very very good very good uh we're just saying that obviously we're looking forward to this one because uh, I know you've told me you've got a lot of stories to uh, to uh, get off your chest. So <laughs> we're giving you a platform to get <laughs> made too many. I've got to, to get all in. <laughs> yeah, been doing it a long time, right? You know, <laughs> you have, you have, yeah. Um, I think, I think, like I said to Jack, we'll just we'll just dive straight into it because I'm actually really looking forward to it. I'm, I, I know you've told me a few before, but I can't I can't wait to hear, hear some of the stuff you've you've, you've got you've got lined up. So. Um, Really, uh, we'll just talk about your um, your management career and how it sort of all kicked off. Because you're from you're from Harabin, and that was that the first team you managed, or was it was it a Sunday League side before that? All right, can I stop you there first? Go on. What I'm going to say is, if anybody's easily offended, switch off before I get started. <laughs> I've even pre-warned the chairman that is no holding back. This is no <laughs> <laughs> no. no um, <laughs> yeah, no, when I first started off in management, mate, I um I was playing for a team called Bottisford. Not the Bottisford, what you'll know, the Grimsby sideway. Yeah, yeah. Just in the Knotts League. And I was playing for Ryan Clark and Ewan Clark's dad. Uh, yeah. And uh, basically, he wanted me to get him a few players in from Grantham and stuff. And uh, I took some decent lads over and, and we like won the league. And it was, it was really where I started. He said, look, you know, will you come as my assistant manager? Uh, and then play as well. So that's what I did. And then Tim packed in and I took over and uh, we were successful. <laughs> <laughs> shock. shock. <laughs> oh, you didn't tell me you played anyway. <laughs> Mate, I'm still I'm still thinking about the uh, the chop on Cos in training last year. It, was, it still gets me every time. <laughs> I've got a story about the chop and all. <laughs> Jack, Jack, you should have seen it, mate. Like Gaffer's got yeah. involved and he's got got the ball at right back. <laughs> he opened himself up. <laughs> Cos has come steaming in and he's just gone chop back. Oh, it's the funniest thing I've seen. <laughs> no, no, nobody saw it coming. Um, and he thinks he's going to be a pro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, boys, boys, where I really started, mate. So did you say you was assistant Gaffer there to start with, was you? Yeah, yeah, I was assistant with uh, Tim. Oh, really good bloke and, and to be honest I learned quite a bit from him uh, he's yeah. one of the managers where you know he would identify things and he, he would really be you know thorough on what he said and what he did and 
I really enjoyed playing for Tim and, you know, he'd been a pro himself as a footballer and his two old boys weren't bad, to be fair, his two lads, but they was kids, you know, obviously watching when, when I went into management. Yeah, yeah. So how did you actually get into the management side of things then from there? What what, what went on from that point? Yeah, what was, your, what was your attitude towards it? Was you just getting involved because you had the opportunity or did you want to do it? I was always, wherever I played, don't, don't give me I didn't play at a decent level. I stepped forwards, perhaps the ice I went. But, um, you know, I was always like a captain leader. Um, and I was always in, that interested in football. I mean, as a kid, I went down, Terry you guys might not remember Terry Bly, but record goal scorer at Carroll Road, uh, Norwich. Uh, and he used to own a sports shop in Grantham called Play, Play More Sports. And he must have been fucking sick of me because every Saturday morning, as soon as the doors open at nine o'clock, who walked in? This little ginger twat. Who would sit <laughs> just want to talk about football all day until he went off to football? So it, it didn't matter what I went in. I made out I wanted a pair of dart, some sets of dart flights or new pair of. <laughs> he was a love listening to his stories. <laughs> he was so pissed off because he was trying to sell stuff, and I was just getting in the way. But you know, what's <laughs> in there and everything, and um, so I was really interested in football and. I always knew that because I was like a captain. People seemed to take to me. You know, players used to follow where I went and whatever team I signed for, a group of us would sign together. And and it was basically, I would sign. I think managers used to just sign me just to get decent lads to play. <laughs> you know, so I always thought to myself, well, you know, I quite enjoyed it, you know, being a captain and I quite enjoyed being a leader. I'd always been an outspoken geezer. I think that's because my sides have had to shout a bit loud. But, um, you know, uh, it's just been really a case of, I thought to myself, Tim's giving me an opportunity. The job come where he was always going to step aside and I'd got all the players in really. So it was just a natural progression. So I was managing on Sunday mornings at the time. I took over when I was about 23 um, with the successful Sunday side, most successful side I'd ever been in Grantham, to be fair. Um, and... You know, it went from there, really, managing Sundays, then went into Saturdays. And then the Albi first team job come up and, you know, I, I took that on. Was it was it a point of you had to apply for it or did they just know you know you know you about? So uh, <laughs> came, came well, calling to you. <laughs> yeah, well, because I was doing the Sunday side at Araby Club, like, you know. Uh, yeah. It was better than the Saturday side, to be fair. Um, and then they said, look, would you take over the Saturday side? And I was unsure. Right. And again, I had to see Terry Bly and I was only 27. So I went down and said to Terry, I said, look, Terry, you know, it's come up. And he said, look, you're going to go into that side of it after you've finished playing, but you need to be a player manager. You need to carry on playing and enjoying it. So that's what I did. I, I took Araby's job and I was player manager there for, I think I did, we won step six. I think it was step six at the time, UCL, uh, Division One. And I played. And then uh, when we got into the UCL Premier, I played for the first year, but then I started signing good lads and stuff like that. And it was getting a bit too much playing and, and managing. So I packed in playing at really about 29. Yeah, yeah. Did you prefer, did you prefer managing straight away to playing or? Do you know what, Jack? I never regretted packing in playing and I never have. And, and to be fair, I don't even want to kick a ball. You know, it's been for years now where like the ball comes to us. And I don't even fancy kicking it. Well, even on the sideline. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't, I don't I uh, every now and again on the sideline, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really Stop miss through it. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bicycle kick. Oh, mate. <laughs> I, can't, I can't, mate, because right, right, he went mad about it. 
Oh, it's just funny. You was get you was going mad at us, and then next minute I'm going mad at you for doing that bicycle cast. Inside, inside, I was in fucking stitches. It was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that should have gone on. That should have gone on soccer, soccer AM. That one. Oh mate, yeah, should have done. If anybody had recorded that, it'd been class. It's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, so yeah. really, that's how I stepped into management. Oh, just I was just about to ask you something. I just it just fucking went from my head. Um, did you did you always have that? same management style as you've got now is, is that sort of been built over the years in that um i don't have to put it people call it quite ruthless but the way i've, I've explained it is you you're either fucking good enough or oh you're not and you're out the door did you always have that sort of from the off or did you have to build that no up? no not really uh, i think how, how it all come about for me to to really make the steps up in, in in management was I met a lad called Kevin Ward. I don't know if you know Warder. Um, I'm sure yeah. you do, Jack. Don't you? You know Warder. Yeah. Um, I met him and he was selling Combine Life Insurance of America. And somebody had told him, "There's a lad in Grantham you need to get to know." Graham Verdi knows everybody. So uh, I got this knock on the door and it was Warder. Well, God, worst knock on the door I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, but uh, he, he just said, look, you know, you help me and I'll help you. I'll give you a bit of sponsorship for your Sunday side and whatever. And he'd obviously been a player. He'd been, he'd been abroad and he played for Grantham. And uh, I said, well, come and play for my Sunday side. And I said, I'll help you out. So Warder started coming to play for us and Warder was decent in his day, to be fair to him. Believe it or not, he wasn't bad. And... Uh, then I took him to the Saturday side and I started, obviously he was Lincoln based. So I started going over like watching Lincoln United and stuff like that. And uh, that's how I got in with like Don Revel, Freck, Zucos and all that and brought them over to Araby, uh, Gaz Walters, and brought them all into Araby. I just walked into Lincoln United's bar one day. They didn't know me from Adam. But when I left... Not many people would do that, would they? Mate, I just got in the middle of them. You know, I, I sat and watched the game uh, and I was concentrating who's the ringleader of the, of the group. And I was, I was basically praying on the bench. And it, on the, on the, at the time, it was like Freck was on the bench, Danny Hargreaves was on the bench, Gaz Walters was on the bench. So I just walked into their social club and just said, all right, lads, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And they must have thought, who's this fucking little tramp? <laughs> Never seen him before in his life. But I just hung around and just really, you know, when I left, they knew a word. I went again. And then next time I walked in, they was like, oh, Graham. I was like, yeah, yeah, not bad. I said, oh, did you know? I know Kev Ward, a manager at Arabair. And that's how I, I, I got in with them guys. And I just prayed on the bench and said, look, I ain't got any money. I got 30, 40 quid, but you'll play every week. And all of a sudden I got a car load in from Lincoln. But what I did was I identified one player from Nottingham, even if he wasn't good enough, I knew he'd know a right back or he'd know a centre midfielder or he'd know a forward. Let's get one from Sleaford, one from Knotts, one from Lincoln and get three or four lads in a car. Well, then I'd fuck him off and bomb him out and <laughs> <laughs> keep the others. But I, was, <laughs> but I, always, I always said, if you sign everybody, they can't play against you, so you'll win the league. And that was, <laughs> that was what I did. Signed every single player I knew, so nobody could play against us. So we just everything. <laughs> I, yeah, it's 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 funny because um, a lot of managers don't have that have that style. A lot of managers look at their budget first, don't they, and go, "Well, I'm not going to be able to afford him." Not realizing yeah. that actually, you might not be able to afford him, but you might you might bring so and so down with him, or you might bring so and so down with him, or you might turn around and go, "Actually, I like the club, or I like the gaffer, and we'll play yeah. for a little bit less and things like that." So I know yeah, I bring my mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think you've just got to be cheeky and have some bollocks about you, really. 
Um, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Like, like I say, going into Lincoln United's club at the time, there was Red O and people like that. You Some know, big characters. Yeah, big characters. And, you know, I'm five foot four callers, you know, and, you know, for me to walk in, they don't know me from Adam and just put my face in there. Mate, within, within two times of meeting them, you know, them boys fell in love with us. You know, and, I thought you played with them, to be fair. I no, thought that's you, where the connection came from. Well, I, I did play with them for a year because obviously I was player manager. Um, oh, yeah. I'll tell you a little story. When we were going for the league title, the, um, the step five, Buckingham at the time, uh, Morel Mason was a manager of Buckingham. He had JP Marner, who was at Kettering on £1,000 a week. He had Leon Ibbett, who I took to Corbett. He had uh, Andre Bucart and all that playing. Yeah. Step five at Buckingham, paying stupid money. Well, we had Gordon Otson come in. He left Grantham and he, he got sucked in. And I sucked him in at Arabair and got some sponsorship from him. And we started paying like 30s and 40 quids where before it was nothing. So I could attract like Freck and Dom and, and Gaz and whatnot for the 40 quids. And Lee Shaw played in goal for us. What a character. Um, you know, but I sucked like six or seven in from Lincoln, two cars. And... Um, but we, we were going for the title, and this is this is no word of lie. You're talking about the chop on cars. Well, Gordon Opson had left, and we're going for the league title. And Gordon said, "Look, I ain't doing it no more." So we had no budget. So I said to the team, "I said, look, Gordon's left. We've got no money. Will you stay and you know try and go for the title?" Well, the, the lads who had been with me, they said, "Yeah, yeah, we'll play. You know, we'll play for nothing and whatever." But we had to go to Buckingham away at Buckingham. <laughs> I said, "Look, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do." We've got a budget of 400 quid. That's what we were paying at the time. I said, if we win, I will pay it, right? I will pay the bill if we win. So there was like, no, nah, no. Nah. I said, no, I'll do your deal. If we win any games, I will pay the wages. If we lose, you get nothing. So, and I knew deep down the lads won't take it off me. Do you know what I mean? I just knew. <laughs> but we went, we went to Buckingham. We had 12 players. Who's number 12? I ain't kicked a ball for a few seasons. <laughs> Who's number 12? Me, right? So Jamie Clark's playing for us at the time. We're 1-0 down, 60, 67th minute or something daft like that it was. And I had Martin Wormel, always had a chance with Marmy. He, he could score goals. But this, I had to go on. Jamie Clark said, I'm injured, Gaff. I've got to come off. Well, I've gone on, mate. The shorts are right down to my bloody knees. <laughs> <laughs> the kit's massive. I've got it rolled up. So I've, I've gone on, 67th minute, we'll get a corner and I do a frigging dummy, mate. It's the best dummy on the edge of the box ever. It goes to Marmy and he smashes it in. <laughs> this dummy I've done, this step ever. So anyway, all, I've had some run-ins with Muriel Mason on the sideline before I've gone on. So like he's saying, oh, keep your mouth shut, you little... And I'm like, go on. You know what I mean? And so he's a massive, great big bloke. And here's me, like two foot six. So, no word of a lie, about 86th minute, the ball comes to me on the, like, just outside the box, about 30 yards out. Who and top bins it? Only the gaffer. <laughs> so, no word of a lie. I've gone mad. So, I'm running towards Morel Mason, and the lads know what I'm going to do. So, the lads, like, come running over to fucking stop me from doing it. <laughs> So they've all piled on me and I'm at the bottom. I can't breathe. I've got <laughs> running out of the goal and they've all piled on me and I'm laid on the bottom and I'm panicking because I couldn't breathe. I was claustrophobic. I'm shitting my pants under all these. <laughs> anyway, like I get some, they all get off and I, I get up and then I realise, 
that's just cost me fucking 400 quid. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in a fucking welding. That's cost me 400 quid. Who's, who's the first one to sell me? Don Revel. Says, gaff, what a fucking goal that is. But it's just cost you 400 quid. <laughs> I'm sat in, mate. I forgot all about the goal and just thought, fucking hell, lads. Please don't sell me 400 quid. That we went, we we chased them right down, and we had about, there was about six games left, and I think we we went up as promoted. Uh, I'm sorry, we finished runners up, um, but that's when Stanford come in forwards, and and obviously I left and went to Stanford from there onwards. <laughs> Fucking class, <laughs> yeah, mate. Honestly, oh, worldy and all that. <laughs> Proper worldy. You ask, you ask, you ask all your boys in Lincoln, mate. They'll tell you it was an absolute. <laughs> <stage>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how I did it for ten. This could be steam to see you steam rolling in. Yeah, um, mate, honestly, uh, I was crushed to bits. <laughs> did you have to pay it then? <laughs> I. Do you know what? Do you know they let me off because I scored the winner. Certainly <laughs> <laughs> let me off, but no, there was a great. I had a great bunch of lads there. Fantastic, Dane Bird and Scotty Taylor come and you know. But I used to get, like drive and pick people up and drive them back to Harrowby Club. I remember uh, signing Scotty Taylor. Uh, I drove to the RAF at uh, Waddington, picked him up, yeah. drove to, to Grantham, showed him around, told him all my plans, gave him all the bullshit, uh, and he, he just come. I like, drove all the way to Waddo. Took him all the way to Grantham, had a drink, and drove him all the way back. And you know, he signed for forty quid. You know what a signing Scotty Taylor was for us. And obviously, he followed me to to Stamford. But we had some cracking players. We really did. <laughs> oh, I could suck him in. <laughs> <laughs> the bullshit always sucks him in. It's fucking class. Um, oh, just just a quick fan. Oh, that's funny as fuck. Um, yeah, <laughs> the bullshit. I bet there's no end has been been sucked in by that. By some right. of the stories you told him. <laughs> I, I can tell you. I'll tell you a story. I, I, like, I knew I was a bit of a joker, like the packs, and you know all the crack. You you are in the changing room. <laughs> we got one, played a game, and you know we was in the shower, and I kept going shower gel on mate's head. <laughs> so he was trying to wash his hair, and it all kept coming and up. <laughs> his, name, his name was Jay Harrison, and. Uh, I'd bent down, this is true as true can be, mate. I'd bent down in the changing rooms and he had his airbrush. No word of a lie, I'll start bollock naked and he's rammed this airbrush right up my arse. <laughs> my arse is bleeding. Mate, <laughs> he's got this airbrush and it's stuck in my arse. And it, my arse is, mate, but they're the things we used to do. And I, I remember Jay taking over as manager from me when I went to Stamford and he took over uh, as manager. And uh, he said to me, oh, you can't play for us on a Sunday morning. I'm short of players. I said, I've got a christening. I said, but I'll play first off and then I'll have to shoot off. We had this lad called Daryl Chapel. You, you, you perhaps know Chapel. Yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know Daryl Chapel, don't you? State agent, well, you, Yeah, well, you know what it's like, mate. Bit of a prima donna. I thought it was really good football. It was shit. Anyway, <laughs> was playing in the game, but I'm premeditated this. And we're playing in the game. Every time he gets the ball, I'm going, you're shit. You're pissing shit. Every header we went for, you're pissing useless. And I've got it all planned in my head what I'm going to do because he's got these new trainers and he's all flash and he thinks he's summer. So I keep saying piss, piss, piss on the pitch for 45 minutes to him. So when I've gone off, he's, he's gone to the man. Why does he keep having a fucking go at me? So when I get to changing rooms, obviously they go back out. I piss all in his brand new trainers. <laughs> I fill his trainers full of piss, mate. And he's got some Armani jeans and I've cut. The Armani jeans into shorts, 
No, no. <laughs> him on his peg, got him the car. <laughs> so I'm pissing all his new trainers. This is true. as true can be, mate. And I've absolutely ruined his Armani jeans. Harrison's <laughs> ringing me. I'm at a christening, like saying, "Fucking Daryl's lost his edge." You could. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, mate, I'm at a Christie, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but they just said little kind of stories, mate, what we did. But when I was manager, the boys the boys would tell you I used to be really fiery. I used to be an absolute nutcase. And looking back, I was a proper head the ball. Mate, I, um, we'd gone to Brig and it was a semi-final of the Lynx Cup. And Marme, you could put your money on, mate, would score goals one on one. He'd missed about four one-on-ones and we lost 2-1. Well, I've gone in the changing rooms after, and this is as true as true can be, mate. I've lost my fucking head proper. So I'm going mad, shouting and fucking screaming and going crazy. And I've head-butted this door, right, this, this changing room door. So I've head-butted it and I've punched the door. So no word of lie, it's one of them... Uh, and my head's gone through the door. It's one of them, like, <laughs> doors. And my head's gone through it and my head's got all these little nicks in of wood. Like splinters and blood and whatnot. So anyway, that's not the worst of it. So we've lost the game. I've lost my head. I've hit the door. So we get a phone call saying, look, the changing rooms have been... Somebody's wrecked the changing rooms. So Secretary's rang me and said, great, one of the players wrecked the changing rooms. Uh, Don't worry about it. I said, I'll make sure we find out who it is and we'll pay for the door. But I used to carry a briefcase... Right. <laughs> manager with a briefcase paperwork <laughs> in it I'd only left it in Brig right so I travelled all the way home left my briefcase and my football coat at Brig we've had to drive all the way back to Brig me and my brother to, to, to get my briefcase and, and my coat so when we get there he said oh let me show you the door well, I've still got all these marks on <laughs> We've walked and there's this door, right? And my head is just right where the hole is. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, don't worry, mate. I'll get, I'll find out who's done it and I'll get somebody to pay for it. <laughs> I've had to travel all the way back to Brig and pay for this door. But, mate, I'd, l- I'd lose my head at anything. And like, we played, uh, we played down at Wellingborough and, and <laughs> Fred will tell you and Don Revel and whatnot. And I've absolutely gone off my tits. We're going for the league title, well in bottom, and we've lost 2-1. So I've gone crazy. I've got, for some reason, I've got a mobile phone in my hand, and I've slung it, and no word of it, it's gone in the orange pot, right? And the phone starts to ring, and it's bubbling in the orange pot. <laughs> All the lads are sat there, didn't laugh. But <laughs> inside, you can see. So I'm still going off on my fucking mobile phone's in the orange pot going off. <laughs> My mobile. I've lobbed the table into the check showers, smashed the table. I booted the bin, and then I booted this leg off a chair. Right, no word of lie. It's flew and it smacked my captain Rob Everett, <laughs> smacked him straight in the eye, and it split right under his eye. And he sat. He's a raff lad, and he sat there. Right, eh, Jack. He sat there, not said a word. Really, really, fucking top captain, top lad. And he just sat there and this blood was drip, drip, drip. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my fucking God, what have I done? No word of like, all the lads like, I've said, you're not having your fucking wages. I said, I threw them on the floor. If anybody wants to pick the fuckers up, pick them up. (laughs) Pick them up. So they all sat there and I said, you're playing for double bubble next week. You get fucking double the money if you win. Well, this Rob Everett is still sat here, mate, and his fucking eyes pissing like that. 
<laughs> so we go in the bar after. I'm feeling quite bad about it, obviously. Got in the bar after. I've got all the weights in my hand. Rob Everett's the only one who's come up and apologised for his performance. What a geezer, mate. Is that the, the physio, you know, like, st- tape his fucking eye together. <laughs> stitches then. And no one of a lie, mate, is the only one who's come up and apologised for his performance. What a top geezer. <laughs> fucking up. I just, I just lose my head over home. Um, but, you know, that was them days at Arabi, mate, where we just, was just mad. Absolutely mad. Yeah. And yeah. Then you I could get away with it as well, couldn't you then? Mate, you, and, and do you know what? Like Scotty Taylor, I had a big fallout with Scotty Taylor. I said, right, fucking outside. So Scotty said, come on then. So we've gone outside and the lads are diving in. <laughs> in. And I'm like having a go at Scotty as manager. And he's going, no, I'm not having it. Big jock Scott, I'm not having it. And I'm like, don't have my fucking change your room again. Slam the door. I fucking well won't. <laughs> yeah. It's all gone off. But in them days, mate, you could. And I've only ever had one rumble at Stanford with a player, and that was Dan Aistead. You know, I'm. Oh, really? I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm swinging for Dan. He's swinging for me. <laughs> he's got man of the match. We've lost the game. And I'm in there going fucking crazy. And Dan Aistead's outside getting his man of the match. So he comes walking in. And I've gone, get in, fucking get in here. So I've dragged him in. He's like swigging, saying, get off. <laughs> swigging. That, but me and Dan just brought a pint after. That was only a few seasons ago, you know. And we just brought a pint after. I think that was there then. I think you might have been there, yeah. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and we was just like mates, you know. And it was just like, it was one of them things. But Dan's old school, you know. Yeah, he is, And, you know, but you imagine doing that to a young lad now. It, yeah, you won't get away with it. Get the you? sack. You won't get away with <laughs> it. I listen to some of your podcasts. You just won't get away with half what you got away with. And you know, no, no, no. Years ago, but you have to know the players you can have a go at. You know, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's difficult, like, isn't it? Because um, we like we've also been in change rooms with, like, like Redo, for example. He's, he's yeah. another good example. Like, he's old school. And um, I've said before that there's times when I've seen him and like you could just see him losing his head. But then you've got the, this bunch of like obviously younger players who you think well there's no point because they're either going to end up in tears or just going to fuck off or whatever you know what I mean yeah. so well, you're talking yeah. about tears you're talking about tears mate I made Jack big Jack Defter made him cry um, but uh, Jack Defter we'd gone all the way to Blythe travelled all the way to Blythe I took him off after about eight minutes and put Jason Lee on mate Jack stormed off down the straight off the pitch straight to the changing rooms you know, he's absolutely strong. The grass was long. It was it was an horrible, horrible day. Grass was long. And you could see it was a Jack Defty game. So yeah. I should Leon. I knew, he, obviously, his physicality and whatnot. And we was going for the title, some prem title at the time. So, um, you know, it was we had to win at all costs. And uh, I remember going in at half-time and Jack sat there and he's crying his eyes out. And I just said, Jack, listen, it's just not your day, mate. You know, yeah. it, and we won 2-1. Jay got the winner. So it, that made it easy. But... You know, just just seeing how emotional Jack got, you know what I mean? And I'd say he's one of the best players I've ever worked with. But yeah, yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's just one of them things that, you know, it's all about the three points for me. It's not about how you feel or how I'll, and I'll deal with that after, you know, and I'll explain why I've done it, you know, and I'll, you know, that's what I do as a manager. Some players can accept it, some can't. But, you know, uh, and Tom Ward, Tom Ward when I was at Boston. Uh, to be fair to him, he was playing against Damian Reeves and uh, the boy who went on to Sunderland and Watmore. But uh, yeah. got hammered 7-3, seven, seven, I think it was. I think I was about, I think I was about <laughs> out the door. But Wardy had let Reeves and uh, Watmore just skip by. And instead, of, I said to him at half-time, 
put him in the fucking stand. I said, he's gone by you like you fucking lead weights. I said, just kick him, put him in the fucking stand, will you? But I could see his own lip quivering. I thought he was going to roar. <laughs> I'm what, what was, um, just, just on Boston, what was your time like at Boston? Because obviously it was it was short-lived, but what 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 was the cause of that like? What what Why did it only... Like, really weird happen? situation, Boston. Um, you know, I... I've never gone on any radio station, never gone to any paper. I had the non-league chasing me. I had every radio station ringing up, you know, wondering, you know, 13 weeks in the job, what had gone on, you know, yeah, yeah. thinking, blah, blah, blah. Um, I've never, ever answered any questions about Boston. All I've ever said is, listen, I blame myself because I was looking at the year ahead. I had a 18-month contract, I think it was. No, 14, 15-month uh, contract. I think I had three months left of that year. Was it no, no, it was 15 month contract. Sorry, um, and I was thinking about getting my own players in, but yeah, all the yeah. knew what I was like, and I'd be getting rid of all the bad eggs. I mean, they'd lost 13 games on the trot when I took over, not even got a draw. And you know, Big Jace, they love Big Jace, all the change rooms love Jace, and I can understand it because I've worked with him, and you know, he's a player for me, mate, and what a top pro, what a top bloke. And I've got loads and loads of time and respect for Jason Lee. <laughs> for when he played for me. So I, I knew that they was close to Jay. Um, but they was awful. They, they was awful. So I was using that period of time of looking at players, really, uh, trying to give them trials, ready to see whether it was good enough for, for the following season. Yeah. So Bully Smith, George Smith and uh, Spriggins and people like that, Phil Watt. Um, and... You know, we, it was really just, just we had no money. I had, had £2,500 left of the budget per week at Boston. I mean, it must be 25000 now, the players have got. But So there was no money there. And I think they thought that because I knew players and I could get players in cheap, I think they was hoping I was going to do that to the end of the season. And then, yeah, you know, there was yeah. a new budget. But um, I went in there and, and to be fair, I should have just, I shouldn't have gone in to try and please the chairman. I should have gone in there to please the players and just gone in and just got through that season. And then I could have done my own stamp and my own rebuild. And I had really good players lined up. Um, you know, we'd have had a really good side at Boston the following year. But it was, it was, it was funny because um, when, I, when I actually got the job, I drove to Boston to sign my contract and I got a speeding ticket. So that should have been the first on Bell. I was there all day and the chairman said, we've got a press conference at night. So I'd been there all day. He said, seven o'clock, we've got fans coming in to do like a press conference on the on a stage, you, Paul Holden and, and Dean West. So I said, oh, all right, yeah, yeah. So we hung around. So we had about 150 odd fans turned up. I thought, bloody hell, this is decent. You know what I mean? So I thought it had gone really, really well on the stage. You know, I just said, um, you know, I, I like to try and play attractive football. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. We'll, we'll try and stay in the league and, um, you know, we'll try and take you forward the best we can and, and, you know, plan for the following season to really have a push of promotion. So after it all gone, you know, the questions was fired to us. We answered it back. When I was leaving, I was walking out the door. A bloke was having a fag. And he just said to me, Graham, where are you from? I went, oh, Grantham. He went, wanker. I ain't even kicked <laughs> a ball. I ain't even kicked a ball. But people had warned me that years ago, the rivalry of Grantham and Boston was unbelievably bad. You know, it was really bad. So I'd say I was from Grantham. Next minute, I'm being called a wanker and him kicked a ball. And even started a game, I'm thinking. So I walked to my car, scratching my head, thinking, 
fucking hell, does he know me that well? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, and then Paul Holden, before, when we first over, we'd done two training sessions. Paul Holden had a heart attack um, on, well, it was Christmas Day and we should have played Corby the following day. Well, we did play Corby on Boxing Day. Um, So everything just didn't, didn't work out. But David Newton, the chairman, was turning up for training and, uh, the secretary was saying, I don't know why the chairman's here again, but I found out that it was out of me and Dennis Green to get the job. David Newton wanted Dennis Green, but Cookie and Kempster, that I blew them away in the interview. And they said, look, Graham is the man for this job. You know, he's local. He knows, he knows everybody. And, you know, his, his presentation has been unbelievable. Um, but yeah. he presentation does when you do a shit job. But, uh, <laughs> You know, he, he wanted Dennis Green and no word of lie, every game Dennis Green was sat with a German watching saying, I'll come for free, I'll move down here, you know, I'll move to, to Boston uh, and, and he ended up putting Dennis Green in the house uh, and, and, and basically I think Dave Newton wanted Dennis, so I don't know if I had a you know, I, I, I really struggled with Dave Newton, I won't lie even though I speak to him now and I've got no animosity against him, it was a learning curve for me you know, but it was a it was a painful one. I won't lie. It's uh, I didn't think I'd manage again after it. If it weren't for Stamford, I'd have gone back into management. Do you think it was a bit of a bit of a poison chalice anyway going into it? Because it's funny you should say about Jason Lee. I know Kyle Smith was there at the time, and he used he used to say how obviously highly he was thought of at the club because he was yeah. he just was he's just like he just got that respect sort of thing. So. Um, even yeah. though he did struggle and obviously got the chop, did you think it was just whoever went in there was always going to struggle a little bit, not just with what was going on, but like the, obviously the players and that? The lads would give up as well, mate. There's a lot of youngsters there. I mean, really, one player I wanted to, uh, who I, I tried to nurture was Nathan Stainsfield. And I did yeah. say to Dano before I got the sack, I said, Dano, you're the only players I'll keep at the club. You know, he was heart and soul. He gave absolutely everything. And he appreciated me saying that. Uh, and I've met him since. Obviously, tried to sign him again, but um, you know, um, you know, unfortunately, it's not happened. But um, I had a lot of time for Nathan, and um, because he made a lot of mistakes when I was there, don't get me wrong. I mean, he cost me up at Harrogate big time, and he, he'll admit that he made a, a real error. We lost five four, you know, and Harrogate was going really well at the time, and um, he made he made an error, and I think he gave a penalty away as well that game. And but I had a lot of time for him, you know, because I knew. He was giving me everything where I had Ian Ross and, you know, I've listened to, you know, Dan Aistead tell me that he car shared with Noosh, uh, Rossi, and Rossi was slagging me from minute one. Rossi knew his time was numbered and I tried everything yeah. to try to get him on side and there's a little story. We They'd, they'd lost a game, but the lads was going out. I'd, I'd arranged a night out and I, I was going to try and get round them that way and, and, and let them warm to me on a night out, you know, because I was crazy on a night out so I thought that might warm him to me but he said oh ask uh, David Newton see if he'll give us 500 quid to go out with I said are you having a fucking laugh I said we've just lost fucking 3-1 to Vauxhall Motors and you want me to go and ask for 500 quid to go out on the piss with so I said do one so I said David and cheeky twat he wanted me to ask for some money to go out anyway cut a long story short Rossi gone up to the chairman chairman giving 500 quid I was like, what is going? I didn't go out. I, I refused to go out. I said, lads, if you if that's the way you want to work, I ain't fucking going out. And I didn't go. Um, I just refused to go. Uh, and I just thought that was just unbelievable, really. But they, they yeah. that Rossi was was not having it because he knew I'd bomb him. 
um, and he was getting around the younger lads. And um, you had, you know, I, I spoke with Spence Weir daily since, you know, we had a good chat because I thought, you know, Spence might have been a bit of a problem at the time, experience, you know, and, and obviously knew that I'd bring my own players in. But I had a good chat with Spence and, you know, maybe I was wrong about it. You know, maybe I was wrong about Rossi, who knows? But, um, you know... I think, I think you'd do well to play that situation any differently, though, if you were to go back in that. So, from me, my perspective, it sounds like it was just timing. Timing just didn't seem good then. Yeah, I've always done well everywhere I've been, bud. And exactly. I, I was confident. I was confident I'd do well at Boston. You know, it's a big job for me. Uh, I was looking. Be- I was looking beyond Boston. You know, I was thinking this is going to be a stepping stone for me. That's how confident I were that I'd build my own setup. I'd get my own environment with my own lads. They'd understand the way I work. They know if they don't do the business, they'll find themselves out of the squad. They'll find themselves away from the club if they didn't act right and do the right things. Um, and I still believe that I'd have done a good job at Boston, but, you know, who knows? Uh, it didn't happen. And it was frustrating because I signed my back four and never got a chance to play with my back four. I just signed two, two uh, centre, one centre-half and a, a left-back. And Dennis Green actually played my back four and they kept uh, two, three clean sheets on the trot. So that was really frustrating. You know, credit he must have done something right, but um, I think it was just, you know, he just worked with the lads up what was there and said, look, you know, Graham's gone now. He would have got rid of you. I'm gonna... And Dennis just gave him a load of shit and they, they fell for it. And, and maybe that was the right way to do it. And he went on and had a successful time. And, you know, I've got no against Den. I thought it was a bit crude the way he was sitting in the stands and stuff. But, you know, he wanted the job. And, <laughs> mate, it's no different. You know, I've left, I've left Stamford to take Boston. I've left Stamford to take Corbett for my own gains. And... I don't, I don't uh, hold anything against Dennis. You know, he, he wanted the job and he, he went about it his way to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, you, you could, I mean, you, you'd managed at that level before anyway, hadn't you, for Corby? Was it yeah, really so? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd been... We got to the playoff. Uh, well, I won the league, the Southern Premier. I took over, I took over um, Corby from Stamford. They, we was... As you know, Jack, we was near the top. We was going to win the league, weren't we? When I left, we was flying. Um, and I actually I got gutted when you left. Yeah, well, you was playing well, kid. There's no doubt on it. And I had a great bunch again. And, you know, we had something good there. Um, yeah. But, you know, to work with Peter Mallinger was... He'd been vice chairman in Newcastle United. You know, he ended up being a bit of a father figure. And uh, I ended up speaking at his funeral. And, you know, I ended up loving the bloke. And I always knew where I stood with him. He always said to me... You're only as good as your last game, and you're only a game away from the sack. Even though we got on fantastically well, I knew where I was at with him. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, Dave Whitby's doing a really good job at Stamford, and you know, he said to me, if I'm anywhere near what Peter Mallinger was, I'll be, I'll be a proud man. And you know, I was just so fortunate to work with such a top, top footballing bloke in Peter, um, and I loved every minute of it. I loved the fans. Uh, you know, it's the best time I've had. But you know, we won the Southern Prem. I kept them up. There was there was bottom when I went, uh, seventeen points. I think I discovered from Kevin Wilson. You know, he was a big name then. And mate, I, I played a friendly. I discovered the team and I played a friendly. And we won four 0 And Peter Manager comes bouncing in and he says, "What did you reckon, Gaffer?" I said, "I'll get rid of the fucking lot of them." I said, "There's only <laughs> keep. And he went, "You what?" I said, "He said they're all on contract." 
I said, don't worry about that. They'll be all gone. I said, it might cost you a couple of grand. I said, but I'll guarantee you now. The one he said, you've got Dan Lynch in there. You've got uh, Derek Brown in there. He said, they want four fifty-five, six hundred quid. These boys, they'll want a fortune. I said, they'll be gone. I said, it might cost you five hundred quid, a thousand, but they'll be gone. It'll save you in the long run. And he was like, well, good luck, because they're big characters. So I had an office at uh, Corby and I, I remember calling the players in one by one and I was saying, look, you know, you're not part of my plans. I'm bringing in new, you know, you can tear your contract up, uh, you know, and I'll find you a club. You can hang around, but you won't be playing. You know, and I was just honest. I just told them how it was and I told every single yeah. one. The last two, what was coming in was the two big boys. Darren Lynch, big unit. Newport Pagnell manager, mate, rough hand, tats everywhere, big hard centre-forward, and Derek Brown, centre-half, mate, was an absolute... <coughs> and all the lads had said to me, all the best with these two. Well, this is... <laughs> uh, Derek uh, uh, Brown walks in the office. Man Martin, mate, he has to duck to get under the door, and I'm sat behind this desk. You can just see my head <laughs> over the desk, like... <laughs> 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 and I'm really willing to wave a magic wand but Peter told me I got a thousand pound each to get rid of them two so um, anyway Brownie's come in he's up in the door with his foot barge through comes in shouting and going to so I stand up fuck knows why I did it so I <laughs> and I went I got my desk and I went boom put all the papers on the floor I banged on the desk like I went Ooh! I said we can all do that, Brownie. I said, we can all do that. I said, you either sit down and fucking speak to me properly or we have a little fucking hissy fit, shall we? Like, why I did it, I just don't know. But it was the best thing I ever fucking did. He looked at me and thought, this bloke's a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, Brownie, sit down, mate, and we'll chat. So he fucking pulls his chair out. He sits down. I thought, thank fuck for that. So I sit down and I just said, look, Brian, the situation is I'm bringing my own players in. I said, you know, you're going to say I've not given you a chance and all that. I said, all the other lads have said it, but I want to be up front with you. I'd rather be honest and up front with you. I said, I'd like you to come out your contract. Didn't offer no money at the time. He went, are you some, it was a job. Are you some kind of fucking idiot? He said, he said, I've owed so much thousands of pounds and all that. I said, you ain't getting it, mate. I said, we'll get paid, but you, you'll just sit and you'll sell raffle tickets. I'll send you down the shop to get me a can of Red Bull. So he's like, <laughs> can't do that. And I said, look, mate, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do you a right shot. I said, I've got a club lined up for you. They're willing to match your wages. And I said, and I'll give you a thousand pounds to leave. And he went, well, that ain't a bad deal. I went, and I'm going to do the same for you, mate, as well, when he walks in next time. So if he wants to kick the door in, I said, tell him I'll take it off the thousand pound I'm going to offer him. So <laughs> he accepts. So he says, yeah, yeah. So he signs out of his contract, thousand pound. Pete will pay you a thousand pound. So he walks out. He goes and tells Lynch, yeah, thousand pound there, mate. Play your cards right. You'll get a thousand pound. He's got you a move as well. You come in with me. So he's come in and just said, give us a grand. I'm off. So I've got. <laughs> Sand. So that was it. So I cleared after that friendly. I was there late. I made everybody wait. I cleared about nine out, you know, straight away and kept about six or seven. And Peter's, Peter's said, hey, you got on, Gaffer? I said, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He was like, fucking joking. I said, no, we're all gone, mate. I said, thousand pound each, like we said, for the two boys, but the rest are gone without any anything. 
he was like, wow, what am I working with? I said, mate, I said, you know, I'll just, I'll just be honest with him, Pete. I said, but he said, who we got lined up then? I went, I'm going to bring in seven from Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. I said, I know we can't. So we're going to get done for it. And he went, well, he said, it'll go to a tribunal. He said, I said, well, don't worry about it. I said, these will keep you up. I said, what, what do you want to do, Pete? Do you want to stay? He said, no matter what it costs, do it. So I'm on the phone to the lad saying, look, I want you to sign it. You know, Corby, blah, blah, blah. So uh, Corby, obviously Stanford's going mad. You know, they're saying you can't do it. Well, they let two go. And then uh, they wouldn't let Leon Metten go. So yeah, yeah. he offered a fee. And he got a, and Dougie Keys took over, didn't he, Jack? Was you, so was you, I, I was getting confused, mate. Actually, this I was on about when you went to Boston, but yeah, oh, I would yeah. say this yeah, is this yeah, is yeah, when yeah, Mets, yeah, when Mets came over, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, you weren't there then. So, um, so I've gone to sign a player in Stanford's car park on a training night, right? <laughs> 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 so I'm there, got the forms, all the lads come rushing over to the cop. <laughs> you know, I'm sat in the cop, so they've all come rushing over. Dougie Keys, big jock, big, big jock. I, look, I must like big jocks. Anyway, mate, really fiery Dougie is. And uh, all the boys around me, and he's like, what the fuck's going? Get off, you know, get away from that car. Anyway, the lad signed the form. So, uh, <laughs> get out your car. So I said, you fucking what, mate? He said, get out your car. So I said, yeah, with pleasure. So I got out of the car. Next minute, we're having a rook in the car park. <laughs> Dougie Keys. All the players are all like, we're not going to play for you, Dougie Keys. You're a fucking idiot. He's the man we want to play for. <laughs> and no one of like, we took seven. But I think we ended up with about nine because Stanford just said, if you want to go, go. So the lads just all left. And I think we paid, uh, we, we went to the FA. We, we went to, me and Pete drove down to London. We had a tribunal. And I think we had to pay Stanford something like two and a half grand. But we took the players and we stayed up. Uh, and we stayed up the last game of the season. We got 50 points. I took 33 points out of the last 17 games, relegation side. And we only just stayed up by beating Bedford 3-0 last game of the season. And all the fans was in fancy dress. And no word of a lie, mate. You've got Donald up chasing a copper on the pitch after the game. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> carnage, mate. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was mad, mate. And uh, like, I kept them all. And then obviously I won the league the following year. We won the Southern Prem. And then yeah, yeah. I'm into the Conference North, what you asked about managing at that level. And we got, we got to the playoffs. And um, we was in the playoff and uh, Northwich Victoria went bust. And we took oh, yeah. six points out of them. Well, we got our six points deducted. And the team, it made us come out of the playoffs and we ended up finishing sixth. So that was an absolute killer. You know, we, so I'd have took them from winning the Southern Prem straight into the playoffs, um, you know, which would have been an amazing achievement. Yeah, 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 quality. Um, to be fair, you've been in the playoffs a few times, haven't you? Because the one, the one Jack, you was talking about was the season we actually got into the playoffs. I know you went to Boston before, before we um, actually got into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, yeah, because then I came about a month later, I think. But I mean, at that point, I think we were sec second in the league or something, weren't we? We was, was flying, yeah. We was flying. Yeah, it's a good team. 
Col- Colville was top, but I kept saying to you boys, you know, I kept saying, look, they've got Ryan Robbins up front. They had Murdoch up front. You know, the weather, the pitches are turning. They won't want to know. Just keep churning the results out. And we're putting pressure on Steve all the time, aren't we? And yeah, yeah. In the end, I think we had five when I left. I think we was a point behind with five games in hand. And then I kept watching the results and thinking, oh my God, you know, they're going to blow it. They're going to blow it. And I was actually there uh, when you won the playoff when Ricky scored. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, but we had such a good side there. I don't know how that's well, you know, at the time, you know, he was just, you know, not getting results. And I was thinking, how can't you get results with the squad I've left here? Um, well, that was it. That was a funny part. And that was, and I'm, I'm sure I'd, I'm sure I mentioned that on, uh, I don't know if it's the last podcast or whatever, but um, when you were sat in the change room, Jack, at Leak, and I was in fucking stitches, it was so funny. Um, I don't know if you can remember it, actually, but uh, Hatswell was, yeah, I I was coming in here. And we're, and we're just on this... We're just on this run where we've got we've got a great side. We just can't pick up points. God knows why. Like we're just we're just not picking results up. And um, yeah, you 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 got um, me and you was on the bench, I think, weren't we? And yeah. uh, Hats Hatswell's coming afterwards. I think we got beat three 0 or something like. That. We got battered, and he's coming. And he's, he's shouting and bawling and all this, and we're all just sat there like looking across, like around each other, thinking it was. I don't think anybody really was playing for him, to be honest. It was more, I think we just got promoted just out of sheer luck in the end, probably. But um, he's, he's turned around, what's fucking going on? Like, what's fucking going on and all this? And Jack's just parked up going, well, we could we could win games when Gresh was there. <laughs> when Gresh, we could, he was like, well, we could win games, we could win games earlier in the season. And he was like, what? He was like, well, when, when Gresh was here, we could, we, we was fine, we could win games. Like, and it would, and you didn't say it with any sort of animosity. Like, it wasn't, it's like you was, it wasn't like you were digging him out, but you was. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you take <laughs> by saying it, and he just turned uh, around. And went, he went just because you just because you was on the fucking bench and all this. <laughs> he had a point to be fair. Oh mate, it was so funny. Like, you gotta say, yeah, can't you, mate? You gotta say how it was. The thing is, though, like, I've I've got I obviously got a note against him, but um, we you're 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 on at people, aren't you? Talking to people all the time. I remember him. Kate, he came in. We're all travelling in a in a car, obviously together, talking like lads do. He's not spoke to one lad. He'd been at the club about three or four weeks. I don't think he had one conversation with anyone in, in the car. Like he, he want that he want playing mix. I think I had a run of games under him to begin with. But yeah. you'd, no, no one just knew where they stood, did they? That's what I remember. It, it, it was just like, like I think you're right in what you're saying. We had a good squad and we sort of limped along and we'd still pick up results, but you we had, just didn't want as cohesive. I mean, people like Andy Orr and Mickey Miller, mate, they could, could yeah. win you a game, couldn't they? But my, my time at Stamford, it started, I, I left Arabian together at Stamford, and this, this is a story for you. This is unbelievable. We, we didn't have the best of starts, and I took a lot of lads from Harrowby, so I took a lot of lads from the league below, but it was people like Frex, Dom, uh, Zuko, Gaz, people like that, Scotty Taylors. and So I knew there was good enough, Lee Marshall, Jim. Yeah, yeah. You know, they'd all been at Grantham. Um, so, but we had a terrible start. I think it was the 10th game and I, I couldn't buy a win. You know, I was thinking, oh God, this is a disaster. And I'd wrecked the changing rooms a few times. I'd been pulled in front of the board, you know, and uh, they were saying like, you know, you've got to calm down. You're worse than Steve Evans. You know, we thought we <laughs> one madman and now we've got another one, a smaller version. And uh, I was like, listen, this is the way I manage. You either want me or you don't. And they was like, yeah, but we need a changing room. You know, he keeps... I said, he's falling fucking bits anyway. I said, <laughs> you know, maybe you might redo it all. So, uh, um, but 
But it, it was ironic because we played Corby and the boys knew I was under a bit of pressure, you know, and, and I was close to the lads. And uh, I walked to the changing rooms and I went, right, who fucking dares wins, Rodney? And they was like, oh, God, what's Gaffer doing now? <laughs> I said, fuck it, we're playing 3-4-3. Three, three. And they was like, what? We're getting battered every week and now we're going to three at the back. <laughs> Listen, we dropped to a five when we ain't got the ball. We fucking gamble when we've got it. We're playing with two wingers, but you're dropping as fullbacks when you do. Three centre-halves, three up top. We're fucking going for it, boys. Corby was second. We've been struggling. Anyway, we, we, the lads are like buzzing, thinking, fucking Gaffer's lost his head. What's he doing? So, But it gave everybody a lift. Everybody thought, you know, fucking hell. We're just go, going for it. So, And we played, mate, without any fear. And we beat them 2-0. And on the second goal, I've took off down the touchline, past all the goal fans, you know, the old Woefort Road. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving me grief. Oh, you little twat, you fucking little dwarf, and all that. All Scotch Corby fans. Anyway, I've took off at 2-0, a bit like Barry Fry, down the old touchline. <laughs> Come running back, one of them spat, and it's gone right in my face. <laughs> what have I done? I've gone over the barrier. I'm giving A-makers... <laughs> I'm going fucking crazy. Well, the stewards are at to come. The frog marching off the pitch at the end because these Corby fans are going mad, threatening to kill me and all this. And I'm like, yeah, after let's have it, let's have it. No word of lie, we're playing them on uh, New Year's Day at Corby. I've had death threats. I've had absolutely everything. I've had dodgy phone calls. I've had from all Corby fans, right? I've said to my brother, oh, I think you ought to come for this one. I said, it might get a bit feisty. And my brother said, don't go. He said, seriously, don't go. Just don't go. To I said, fuck off. I said, I'm fucking going all right. And I'm going to give him some shit. So anyway, I've gone to fucking Corby. We've won one nil. But what do we do? I've got Melly Brothwell. You both know Melly the kid, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man Melly's driving <laughs> me like he always did. He was my driver. And I've got a lad called Ian Cooper. An absolute idiot, I'll tell you in a bit. So I've got him and I've gone, I'm going in the bar. All the lads have gone, I'm going up in the bar and I'm going to sit in right in the middle of them Corby fans. Coop said, yeah, let's do it. So I said to Mele, Mele, we're going up for a drink. He said, are you sure, Gaffer? I said, That's not a bad impression as well. No word of a lie, mate. I've walked in their bar, right? All the ones who I've jumped over the barrier with, who spat at me and everything. So I've walked oh. I said, does anybody want a drink? With Does anyone want a drink? Do you want to have a drink with me or not? Or are we going to have any trouble? And the, I got so much respect from him for doing that. Rob Dunyon was manager at the time and he just went, tell you what, you're one crazy little fucker you are. And I went, I'll tell you what, Rob, it's either sink or swim. They either have a drink with me or they kick the fuck out of me. And from that moment, no one would Corby fans love me and I ended up there. And they leave <laughs> it. Mate, and they I went out on the piss with them. Every week I stayed in a hotel in Corbett and I was on the piss with the lads. They couldn't believe being out with the manager. And, mate, I had such a close relationship with the Corby fans. It was unbelievable. We was getting a thousand a game. And I'll tell you what, mate, over the Weatherspoons, I bet you there was 600 of them in there and I was drinking with them every week without fail. And, um, you know, I just had such... Great times with them. Really. Is that the most the club's ever had, attendance-wise, most? Yeah, it was, mate. I mean, we was getting 1,000, 1,200. 
we was playing some cracking stuff. I'd signed some great players, signed a lot of ex-pros. You know, when we won the Southern League, I, I, I mean, I had Dean West, one of the best pros I've ever, ever worked with. You know, what a player Dean was. 37, 38, won Southern League Player of the Year. Um, up and down as a right back, unbelievable. You know, I, I'd, I'd worked with the likes of uh, Jason Lee, Tommy Yakin, Chris Oak, Phil Gulliver's, you know, and they and to, to be working for a lot who's only played off decent step four, step five football, to have the respect to them players, for them to play for me and win the league. And, mate, no matter what I said, I mean, Jason Lee had so much respect for us. You know, he had trouble down at Tiverton. He'd had a player around the throat and I told him to let him go. I told you about it, right, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Just put him down. And, you know, he looked at me and I thought, fucking hell, he's going to eat me here. <laughs> he's going to pick me up with the other hand. But he just dropped him and just sat down and ate his food. You know, and uh, I just confident about what I said, what I did, even around their mech pros. And uh, Mark Warren, you know, was my skipper. And, mate, he was, he was the biggest part of the success, as much as what I were. You know, he was like on my – he was my captain. He was my leader. And we'd lost five games on the trot. Paul Holden quit. Um, we'd gone, we'd lost 1-0, 2-0, 3-1, 4-0, 5-0 at Brackley. And I remember Paul Holden going in the changing room before me and he'd gone to players, you're all fucking shit asses. I've had enough. I've quit. You're all fucking wankers. And he, he's walked out. So I've walked in the changing room and goes, if, if he wants to fucking go, see you later. Fucking do one. I said, I'm here for the long haul. I said, I'm here to turn this round. I said, if you fuckers want to turn it around with me, fucking stay here and fight. And from that moment, we went 27 games out of 29 and beaten them on the league. Um, but Mark Warren, I said to him, listen, was a, I said, grab the lads together. Fucking tell them that, you know, I'll give them absolutely everything I can and we should be giving it back. Uh, and they did, mate. And they, you know, I signed two. I had Matty O'Halloran and um, uh, Burgess, uh, what was his name? Burgess. Oh God, Jesus! I've had that many. But I had two wingers. But I used to sit them in till Christmas and play a bit more defensive till Christmas. And after Christmas, I used to go really on the attack. Um, and I signed Joe Francis and John Turner, two two flying wingers. And you know, it just changed us. I mean, Leon met them playing off people like Jack Defty and uh, Jason Lee. You know, I had Steve. Yeah. Wins, you know, people. Diggins was the biggest hero at Corbin. The fans loved him. He'd scored 30-odd goals the season before. And I I, let, I always had him on the bench and I played Leon Metton. And I had more faith in Mets scoring me goals. And to be fair, mate, he, he was unbelievable for his Mets. And Diggs was. I could put Diggs on for Mets and he would score a goal, you know. But, I, mate, it was a flip of a coin who played out them two. It was so good. You, yeah. you mentioned wingers. Are wingers like part of your master plan, do you think? I'm just thinking back in teams I've played or teams that I know you've managed. You've always had fucking top wingers. You've had good players anyway, yeah. don't get me wrong. But I've, I've, I've grown up watching my brother play as a winger. I used to go everywhere, mate. I used to be called the Weetabix kid. I mean, you... Because <laughs> I, I was small, ginger hair. I used to have long ginger hair, like Gordon... <laughs> Right, and there used to be an advert on, you know, Weetabix, right? There's yeah. figures like people with the Weetabix kids. Well, that's where I got my nickname. They called me the Weetabix kid. And my old boy must have been sick of me. Everywhere he went, I tailed on. 
you know, I'd be filling the water bottles up. I'd be pumping the balls up. I'd be kicking in the goals when he was playing. But he was a winger and he could cross a ball. You know, only local football, but he could cross a ball. And I started out as a winger. And I ended up going to Grantham Town as a winger when Martin O'Neill and John Murray was there. I'd, I'd gone into men's football as a right winger and I'd won everything. Saturdays and Sundays, I won players, player, managers, player, supporters, player, referees, player, most matches. And I won everything for the Saturday side and everything for the Sunday side. And there was a, the, the Grantham Journal wanted to do a bit on me. I was 16, obviously, no, no taller than I am now. Um, and they did an article on me. And it, it said in this article, you know, oh, star of the making, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, what? Who, who do you want to play for? What team? And I, I said, Grantham Town. And they was like, what? You don't want to play for Forest or Liverpool? Or I said, no, I want to play for my town. So uh, Martin O'Neill and Robbo was managers at the time. And there was a bloke called Richardson was a reserve manager. Well, I got a phone call and it was John Richardson. And he said, oh, Martin O'Neill and John Robbo want to have a look at you in a friendly uh, playing down at fullback. I was like, fucking joking. John Robbo and Martin O'Neill, fucking brilliant. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait. When is it? Saturday. So I was like, fucking hell, it was a Friday. I was thinking, shit, I'm playing tomorrow. Fucking <laughs> whatever life turned up down at fullback. And when I was playing in the Grantham League as a 16-year-old, one fullback I could never get by. Right, Paul Johnson, his name was. Who's playing for fucking fullback? <laughs> fullback, fucking Paul Johnson. I'm thinking, oh my God. So my head's gone straight away. I could never get by him. You know, don't matter how many games or how many goals I scored. He was just that defender I could never get by. Yeah. So, please switch me sides, put me on the left, do anything, just don't let me play. So my head was gone a bit, but I played the first half and, and O'Neill and Robbo, I didn't see him. I thought, well, he ain't even here. Anyway, half time, he walks in, John Robertson, fag on. And he, he's like, Larry Ball's there, Peter Whitehurst, all the main players at Grantham I'm playing with. And uh, he walks in, he said, Are you the boy I've heard a lot about? And I was like, just sat there thinking, what, what? And he said, boy, I've heard he's supposed to be a good winger. He said, you haven't gone by your man once. He said, you're giving it short. You're frightened to go past him. He said, you've got to drop your shoulder, go on the inside. You've got to take him on the outside. He said, you're supposed to be showing us what you're all about. Second half, mate, I went out and I just felt a million dollars. And for the first time I got by him and I just felt great and I was putting crosses in. And I think that's where wing, the wing players always come into my game. Uh, I don't really quite play. interesting what you say about your teams being quite narrow up to Christmas and yeah. then like then, I don't think there's a lot could be wrong I don't think in my experience anyway not a lot of managers have that as a whole season game plan with wingers yeah yeah mate I always if you have a word with Matty O'Allen he'll tell you I used to tuck him in very narrow the winger yeah. and, and let my fullbacks go on the outside it's a bit like the systems play now where your fullbacks bomb on I mean I had yeah. deep, I had Paul Mayo I had Tommy Ashen, you know, and they were experienced players. And I used to say to my wingers, tuck in, funnel in narrow, they were on the outside, then you go and support the player in the, in the final third. And we'll, we'll counter-attack from that. And that was that was just a, something that, you know, I'd seen happen and thought, do you know what, I'm going to do that. And then I went more, in the, as Christmas turned, the pitches turned, you know, and the ball started going a little bit more direct because of the pitches. I decided to push my wingers high and base the players a, a 4-2-4 uh, and then support from my fullbacks then. Um, but 
you know, it was a plan with the two wingers. I had Ollie Burgess, his name was. I had Ollie Burgess and Matty O'Halloran. And they used to say, Gaff, we want to get forward. I always say, fullbacks are going forward. The fullbacks go forward. You just sit in. If he breaks down or when they've gone beyond you, then go and press and support. And they, they, they scored goals from it because it was central of the pitch as well. So Matty was scoring goals and I played them opposite side. So they would come in the pitch and they would score goals. Um, so they was getting good numbers, but my fullbacks was putting crosses in for the forwards. And then I just said, it, oh, you know, we was, I always wanted to be in the race at Christmas. Every year I want to be in the race at Christmas. I want to be around sixth. Uh, and if I'm around sixth, I'm confident we'll win it. Um, you know, because I let the shackles off and say, right, boys, we're going for it. And that yeah. has been my style of play. And as you look now, Stanford's got two very good wingers, ain't we right? Well, you know, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Two really good wingers. And if we lose them, I've got wingers lined up, um, you know, and they, they just, I, I feel they can be a real big part of the game playing inside the pitch and outside the pitch. Um, yeah. Yeah. What you just said there actually complements what you, what you um, pretty much what you, what you've talked about really the, the two that you've got there at the minute, obviously Tendai and, and Kaz, Um obviously they're, they're the massive part of what, what we do. Um but also, like it actually complements the, the way you got them as well. I remember you. I think, remember you speaking speaking to us before they came. And you was like, "I've got these two wingers and they're class." And like they came in, and I was thinking, "I've never seen these two because normally you, you sort of know, don't you? you sort of know of, yeah. of people and things like that." I know T's obviously played. I think he was at Gresley, I think for a little bit. But um, yeah, the way you got them to them two in, it was like I've never seen these kids in my life. And then and then obviously Hicksy as well. And I thought, "Fucking hell, that's." Yeah. That's brilliant. It's been an absolute um, game changer, really, isn't it? Because well, it, well, if you, if you, I go out and watch games, right, and you know, you know, I'll come in training sometimes. Say, right, boys, show my face. Does anybody need anything? I'm off to a game. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm sat at home having a fucking cigar. But you don't find players unless you do the work. And I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer, mate. Not just, I mean, Jack's doing fantastic now with his business, and I'm so chuffed for him. And you know, Dave's doing well with his business, and Don Revel's doing well with their businesses. But I've always said to players, I've always instilled it, and you speak with Cos now about his uni, what I talk to him about, and about T, about his life. I always say, listen, you get fuck all out of life unless you work hard. And that is on the pitch, off the pitch, or anything. You'll only have a good family background if you work hard at it. And my missus should have left me millions of times for the twat I was, you know, but we worked at it and we've been together 30 years, you know, and there ain't many people that coming up 50 can say that they're still in the same relationship. Um, but you have to work at it, you know, and it, and it ain't plain sailing. And if you don't put the odd yards in, you don't get anything from it. So if you want to be just in it for fun or you want to be in it just so you say, oh, I'm a manager of a football club, you know, you sit at home. If you want to be successful, you've got to get out there and you've got to do it. And you've got to put the hours in. And it's all about putting hours in. And um, I went to watch Anthony Nomads, you know, I went to what, and I see these lads and I thought, do you know what, I like the look at them. I watched them three times and I knew I was signing them. You know, I knew I was going to take all three of them. Um, and people said, oh, they're from the league below. And, you know, oh, they ain't done no. Anstey was crap last year. Mate, you put them in the right environment with the right information and, and explain to any player and make them feel loved, you know, because it's, it's like I said to you the other night, right, when you, when you had your art problem, you know, I didn't know you from Adam, really, but I sent you a message. Chris all lost his mum and he, he lost his dad. He got a message from myself. You know, I, it's a part of just being who I am. Um, you know, I'm a giver. 
I've never been a taker. I am a giver, you know, and I will try and give information. I'll try and give support. I will try and give advice. You know, sometimes it might be wrong, but I will always try my best for players. And the, the ones that's left me, you know, and, and slag you off because you've let them go, you know, it's only the deadheads. It's only the deadheads that don't understand, you know, the reason why they've been let go or the ones who I've let go, who's decent, still speak to me, you know, and... Uh, I think I'm a genuine person. I think I try my best and I think I give the lads everything I can, you know, to what, what we've got and uh, I'll try and support anybody. Yeah. yeah. I think you, uh, you, when you saw about earlier, sucking people in and that, I know you know what you're doing and, but at the same time, you, no one could tell me that's not genuine when you're doing it. I know yeah. that sounds really like, yeah, 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 yeah. it sounds convoluted, doesn't it? But yeah, yeah. I think you, you, you'll go, you'll go and do the extra for someone because yeah, you're getting some, something out of it yourself but at the same time it's not because you you don't care about the person I think one thing I've noticed on you man managing people you you are there for them you're trying to bring them on the likes of Tendai and whatnot I noticed it quite a lot start of this season really um being on the bench quite a bit just what you what you do in the background the little conversations that you have with people even if it's just popping in the dressing room while someone's putting the gym pads on and by themselves um which I think a lot of that a lot of that goes unnoticed to the to most, I think, to be fair, which is what you do more. If you had to, how many hours do you think you're putting in extra a week? Oh, if you had to yeah. put a number on it, mate. Honest to God, I've got fused vertebrates in my neck. They've got five, six, and seven, and the doctors identify it straight away. He says, "Are you on your phone a lot?" And I went, "Yeah." What do you do for a living? I said, "I'm a bricklayer." He said, "Well, that's gonna that's not gonna help." He said, "But tell me, you don't lay bricks with your phone at your ear." years I laid bricks like this with a phone at me ear like that dropped it in the mortar loads and loads of times <laughs> constantly on the phone all day laying bricks and it's hacking my neck it's, it's actually moving my spine out mm-hmm. and they said that's what it's from um but the hours mate I don't stop I mean I've got bits of paper like most managers they've got to jot the team down oh, we've only got a friendly on Saturday I must have hit 50 teams like that you know, and it's just a friendly, just a kick around. It don't mean anything, but I've got 50 teams out, you know, and every spare five minutes, I'm looking, what should we do? Who do we need to, if I lose so-and-so, who can I, who can I look to get in? And, you know, and, and it's constant. And, you know, every time me and my miss sit down for me, all the phone rings and I'll try and ignore it. And she goes, Gaffer, uh, Graham, just get the phone. Cause you know, <laughs> you're, not you're not concentrating, just get it. And every, yeah. As we start to speak, the phone goes, and you guarantee it. And she'll just say, "No, you get it because you're not listening to what I'm saying." So I say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, "Did you did you lose that a little bit after Boston?" Yeah, I did Jack. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest, mate. Um, it rocked me. It did rock me. Um, I mean, I'll never forget the call. Really, I was working in Harrogate at the time doing some building work, and somebody gave me a call and said, "Oh." Uh, You've got the bullet at Boston then. Fucking out, really? Yeah, I went, I went, you what? He went, yeah, you got the bullet at Boston, Dennis Green's new manager. I went, really? <laughs> and I, so I was working with my brother and I said, fucking hell, I've just got the sack. So <laughs> I got on the phone to the missus and said, just heard I've been sacked at Boston, but nobody's told me. She went, shut up, you daft twat. I went, no, seriously, somebody's rang me and said it's on their website. I said, I'm going to have a look in a minute. 
put the phone down. Well, I was on the phone to the missus. I looked and it was David Newton, chairman. So I said, oh, I've got to go. The chairman's on the phone. So she said, all right. So I put the phone down and said, I said, you don't need to say no, Dave. I said, um, I've heard uh, I've got the sack. And he went, you what? You what? I said, I've heard I've got the sack. He went, where you heard that? I said, it's, it's on your website, mate. He went, screen's your new manager. And he went, um, well, yeah, no, he's not manager. Uh, we, we, we had a board meeting last night and, um, you know, we, we thought that like, it's not working out, Graham, and, you know, we've, we've decided we want to go down a fresh path and all this, blah, blah, blah. I went, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I says, so what are you going to do about the contract? And he said, <laughs> he said, well, you've only been in the job 13 weeks, you know, and, uh, you know, you're, you're a good bloke and stuff. He said, you know, so you just, you know, we'll just terminate your contract. I went, hold on a minute, mate. <laughs> it's worth X, Y, Z to me. I said, no, nah, I'm not doing that, pal. I said, you'll pay me what you owe me. And to be fair to him, he did. Uh, and I, I, he said to me, can I pay you in three, three monthly installments? Because we ain't got no money. So <laughs> I said, yeah, <laughs> fine. You know, I want thinking straight. Got on the phone to the missus and said, yeah, I'm sacked. I said, and uh, I said he's going to pay me a contract. But he's, he's asked me if I'll take it in three, three monthly instalments. Mommy said, Graham, why are you being nice to him? He's fucking sacked you. He ain't give you a chance. And you be So I got back on the blower and said, I won't pay him at the end of the month. <laughs> I got paid. But yeah, it did knock me. And to be fair, you know, I'd work really, like I say, work really hard at getting the group together for the following season. And I put a lot of time into doing that. Uh, and then once that was over, I lost confidence. I'll be honest, because it's the first rock I'd really had, you know, from having success from Sundays to Araby Saturdays to Stamford to Corby, then on to Boston. And, you know, it was the first real rock um, in my managerial career. And it, it, uh, it, took some, it took some coming back from, but, you know, when I got the call from, from Stamford, they asked me to come and have a look at a game. Uh, at the new ground and I'd not been watching football I'd even cancelled watching football on telly I just didn't look at results I didn't want to know football I just completely went away from it um, and Stanford asked me and I, I kept saying nah 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 I might come down next week and um, then I, I just decided I said, rang Phil B and said oh I'm going to come down to the game she was a pass on mate he went yeah yeah you're more than welcome and uh, Staffy was struggling at the time um, yeah. And basically they said, look, we're going to let Dave go. Would you take over? Uh, and Staffy had played for me, so that was quite difficult, really. But I think Staffy was relieved. I think he was glad to be out. And um, then Love Affair at Stanford started again, you know, and it's uh, it's continued for another daft two years, hasn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, talk to me about talk to me about that, because I, I never knew he was going to retire, but obviously until you, you mentioned it at the... the um... Start of I don't know where where we are now. Start of the season, end of last season. Yeah, we lost, don't we? Yeah. Oh. Um, so what? So I, I know you said about the plans to to only have two more years, but do you reckon it? Do you reckon it will go that way, or are you, you going to well, stick to that? I, I said fifty for a long time. I, I, you know, it's not been yeah. a quick thing. Yeah, I'd said when I got fifty. I mean, in the missus lot, we don't we don't do holidays or anything because I'll just spoil them. You know, because I'm thinking of football and I, I ruin family holidays and everything. Um, and I, the story, here's a story for you. We went away. Jordan's only a nipper, my lad. Mm-hmm. And we'd gone away and um, I'd been trying to sign Maz Zagade from Lincoln United. Yeah. Way in Spain. And uh, I got a phone call. It was Maz. 
And he said, look, if you come and meet me now, I'll sign. I said, fucking hell, as I'm in Spain. He went, oh, I'm going to sign back for Lincoln United then. And, mate, <laughs> absolutely ruined the holiday. I was, my missus wanted me to get the and go home. I was absolutely so marred in for the rest of the holiday. And she said, I'm never going on holiday with you again. And I said, well, that suits me fine. So we didn't, we didn't have holidays, but <laughs> we've, always, we've always fancied getting a camper van. You know, in the last few years, she wants to get a camper and, and go off. And I've said, look, when I'm 50, you know, I'll call it a day and we'll go and start doing that and enjoy life a bit. But, you know, these last two years, it's just been shit. And the way Dave Whitby's trying to push the club forward and he's, he's such a yeah, gentleman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can see a real good relationship building and there's a lot of trust there with me and Dave. Uh, and I'm feeling like I'm working with somebody that's worth putting time and effort into. Um, and he supports, you know, everything I try to do uh, to the best he can. And um, now, and I've got a good bunch of lads. And like I said, you, you lads, if if it meant a rebuild, a total rebuild, then I'd have been out. You know, I want to. You know, I asked a question uh, by Zoom and said to the boys, "Do you want to stick together? Do you want to stick?" And you're going to stay together, and the majority stays. I'm going to lose a couple. That's obvious, you know. And I won't want. I never hold a player back from playing higher. I've always supported that. I'd be a hypocrite if I did try and stop somebody playing higher because I went on to manage and I left clubs to, you know, in the lurch to go and do that for their own gains. And I will always support young lads to play higher football, and I'll always do that. And, it, and sometimes it affects what I'm trying to achieve. But, you know, I think the individual of having an opportunity of playing pro football, you know, you've got to give him that chance. And I'll always do that for any youngster, no matter how good they are. Because he's a prime example of what I'm doing for him at the moment. Hopefully got him a few trials. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that was the reason, mate, we're 50. But because I'm enjoying the changing room. You, you players make manager. You know, I, I've always said to you, right, since you've been through the door and you, Jack, Listen, I'm there to support you. You're the guys that do the business. You know, all right, people say, oh, manager's great when he does well. The manager's shit when he does shit. You know, the manager will get all the flack and all that because <clears throat> he's a figurehead. And that's all I am is a figurehead to support the players. Try and pass on a bit of experience and knowledge. Try and understand the game. I hope I make nine times out of ten the right decisions on substitutions and things. I think about my substitutions. I don't just go, oh, Jack's been on the bench for three weeks. He needs to run out. Let's put him on. I'll put Jack on because we need a goal. And he's selfish about his play that he wants to score goals. You know, and we need that goal. I use John Challoner for that reason now. And I speak with Charles about it. You know, the reason John Challoner is still at the football club is because he's worth something to me in the sense that he's very selfish. You know, and he'll admit it. He's very selfish about his play. He, all he's interested in now is being the hero and getting the winner, but that suits us when we need a goal. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, it, it's just I think about every substitution, uh, and, and of course, you get things wrong. I mean, Frickley is a prime example. I went three at the back and we, we ended up conceding a goal, but you know what I said to you at half time, I we had had two shots off target all first half. If we continue like that, we're going to lose the game anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a straight. Yeah, it, was, it was a weird one because obviously after the, after the game, in hindsight, obviously the lads look back and go, "Fucking hell, well, we went free at the back." That's what caused it. But then you think, well, where where was the game going? In, in in any sense, do you want to go out and do the same as the first half and maybe nick a draw, or do you want to go out and try and win the game? I'm always out and, and get beat one 0 Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah, we had, it was, 11, we, had, we had eleven attempts second half. 
two two attempts first off, eleven opportunities second half. So don't tell me that one mistake, which was a slip. Lost yeah, it. yeah. You know, but yeah. um, not that I, not that Frank will I, let you forget about it anyway. Oh no! no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what a ball into us! If, 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 if Freck's life is, oh, I've been Graham Drury because I because he let me get Stanford because I want good enough no more. Uh, <laughs> mate, if I, mate, he, he loves trying to get one over me because I let him go at Stanford, and he tells me it. He says I brought Lee Freck in. I, I, I had. He didn't bring Lee Freck in. I'd been sat at born watching a game with Keith Alexander, watching all the. And I said, oh, I like him, him and him. Can I take him on loan? Then I got into Dave and said, I want to try and take your Lee. Have a word with Lee. Get into Lee. And that's how it comes about. Not Lee got him to, uh, Dave got him to us. Um, but when I signed Lee, Dave ended up on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Dave got bombed, who played about 12 on the trot. Signed Lee and Dave ended up being on the bench. <laughs> how good was Lee Freck back then? Mate, he was... He stood mate, out just a fucking country mile, didn't he? Mate, I'll tell you a story about... Mate, this is a hell of a story. We played Worthing in the FA Trophy. There was a league above us. And we drew at Stamford. And it was, a, it was a great result. Great result. So we had to go to Worthing to obviously play the replay. So Brighton, night out, all the boys. Got Danny Argreaves. He's, he's out with a walking stick. He's got a hat on. He's like... Mate, what a geezer. He's a preacher in church, mate, and he's out with fucking pimp's outfit on. You know, walking around, all the birds are trying to nick his hat and everything. Well, we've had a right weekend. We're on a minibus. Don Bevel's driving the minibus back. Lee Freck's first, like, games. So Lee's on the coach. He's turned around to Dave and said, is this what it's like every week? (laughs) (laughs) We're on the coach on the way back. We're all hanging. I've got my knob out and I've dropped it on on Scotty Taylor's shoulder. He's in the front seat, you know why? <laughs> so I've lent over and I've dropped my tail on his, <laughs> his shoulder. I've gone Scotty and he turns around and he goes like that and he goes, "You dirty bastard!" <laughs> you know, <and> he, <laughs> here's me. I've got my knob out. We're scrapping in the back of a minibus. <laughs> so uh, Lee Freck thinking, "What the hell?" And we've got Jimmy Neal on the coach uh, as well, and. Uh, we stop, we all get out for a piss. We're drinking on the way back. We're all steaming. We're drinking on the way back. Dom don't drink, so perfect driver. So we all get out and we're pissing up this bus. And there's about six or seven lads. So we've all got back on the bus. Jimmy's last. So Jimmy starts mouthing all these lads off, right? These six or seven lads. The doors are open, so he's going to get in the bus. So he's going to these lads, yeah, if you fucking want it, come on, let's have it, let's have it. So we pull the minibus doors to, Jim's outside and we drive off. He's <laughs> running after, all these lads are running after Jimmy. And he's running, stop the fucking bus. Dom's like, no. Dom's bibbing his own. So Jim's fucking pegging it and all these lads are chasing him. <laughs> drag Jimmy in. <laughs> <laughs> Lee's like, what the hell is this all about? I've just come from experience. The gaffer's got his knob out, he's scrapping with Scotty. Fucking <laughs> Jim's fighting with six lads and we're pulling off and leaving him in this shit. But mate, we had some great times. I mean, I was a pithead as well. I mean, I used to love the banter. I'll tell you about a night out in Nottingham, right, here, Jack. This is this is the best night we've ever had. Wayne Alcrow, you both know Wayne. Yeah. yeah. Joker of the pack, heaviest arse guy in the world, always gets his hairy arse out, doesn't it? Bends over in your face, scratches his arse. Like, <laughs> Joker of the pack. So we've arranged a night out. So we're like going out in Nottingham. Wayne only lives at Bingham. 
So he's, he's right near Nottingham. So we've all arranged to go out. So the only one who don't go out, Wayne Alcro. And he's organised an eye. And he said, I can't go out, Mr. Won't let me. We're like, fuck off, Chewbacca. Get your ass out. <laughs> Chewbacca. No, 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 no. Come on, Chewie. you got to come. And he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. If you don't come, seriously, you're going to get it. And he's like, look, she won't let me out. So we've got out in knots. Dom's driving again the minibus. So we've got out absolutely steaming, all the boys. So Jim Neal says, I'll tell you what, on the way home, we're all steaming. On the way home, we'll call it Wayne Alco's ass. It's four in the morning. Dom's driving the bus. Jim knows where Wayne lives. So we pull up outside Wayne's, right? We're fucking ready. He's gone. We're pulling all the plants out of his garden. <laughs> We're sticking them on his car. Don Revel says, I need a shit. Right? Don's driving sober. I need a shit. So we, he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to squat down, shit in a carrier bag, and, and put it on Wayne's window wipers. <laughs> right? It's no word of a lie. In the middle of the street, we pulled all these plants out of his garden. Don's squatting down, trying to squeeze the shit out in a carrier bag. Right? Pissing. <laughs> So Dom starts pissing. He's pissing like fucking <laughs> squatting down. He's going, oh, no, no. So Jim's got hold of his knob, pulling it away. So he's pissing away from himself. <laughs> he, does a lo- he does a log in the bag, right? <laughs> he does a shit in the bag. So he gets it, ties it onto Wayne's car, round the window wipers, and ties it on the window wiper. Oh. <laughs> no word of a line. You can imagine we've all gone back to the ass and whatnot. We're all fucking... In the morning, fucking hangovers. <laughs> Wayne Alcro, right? <laughs> Beep. Not answering. <laughs> ringing, as Wayne tried to ring, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dom, as Wayne tried, yeah. Frank, as, yeah, yeah. So he said, no, don't, just don't answer it. Don't answer it. So none of us answered it. I thought, well, I've got to answer it at some point. So he goes, right, what dirty bastard shit on my car? <laughs> we said you what he says I know it was you lot all my fucking plants were pulled out of the garden <laughs> the neighbours were saying they was looking out the windows and somebody's having a shit somebody's pissing <laughs> the front door and no one right mate we absolutely wrecked his, his missus gone out to the car in the morning to drive the car and she's gone <laughs> the ice windows she's up in the door and there's Dom's done a dump in the bag we've never told Wayne who's done it so if he's listening to this he knows now (laughs) (laughs) get him tagged in that (laughs) oh mate brilliant honestly shit in a bag oh mate some nights out mate I ain't good at nights out if I go out with the boys something will happen to me guaranteed we went out in Peterborough Mark Foster you both know Fosse right he goes to this (laughs) nightclub uh, it's quite early, it's about 10 o'clock when this nightclub and uh, he's gone to the bar and I'm at the bar with him, Scotty Taylor's there and Fozzie's got a load of drinks in his hands, he turns around and he bumps into the biggest, ugliest fucking galoot you've ever seen man mounted this bloke right, and he spilt his drinks on him so this bloke's going to kill Fozzie right, little Foz <laughs> little skinny Foz, pale face we call him Casper Right, Casper the Free Ghost, he's gone even whiter than what he normally is. And this bloke's going to eat him. He's going to pick him up like corn on the cob and cook him. <laughs> what do I do as Gaffer? Steps in and says, hey, mate, look, he didn't mean to do it. You know, fucking hell. Let me get you a drink, you know, calm, trying to calm it all down. So it's Fozzie and Scotty Taylor there and all these fucking big bouncers. They look like bodybuilder bouncers. 
So I said to this lad, look, mate, let me just get you a drink. I'll get you all a drink. Look, you know, he, he didn't mean it. I said, you know, just trying to calm it all down. So he's gone, yeah, that's all right, mate. As I've turned like that, he's gone, wallop. He's got a fucking ring on. He's smacked me at the side of the beak. I've got still got on air. He's smacked me at the side of the fucking beak. My hooter is <laughs> with blood. Absolutely needed stitches, right? It's a mess. So I ain't gone down, which was how I didn't go down. And, and like, they've all got ushered away, all these, but, and I'm going mad. I'm going, where is the con? Where is it? I want him. I was going, ah, ah, It looks like a fucking great tomato on my nose. So Scotty Taylor, all the bouncers go out of me, and I'm going, where's the CCTV? I want to know who it is. But they must have been doorman or something, because they just ushered him out. Oh, there's no on the cameras and all this. So I get thrown out the club. This is 10 o'clock at night. Fozzie and Scotty go back in. Dom Revel and all them lot. Dom's driving the minibus. They're all fucking dancing on the dance floor till four o'clock in the morning. I'm outside, need stitches. I'm stood at a fucking burger bar with <laughs> <laughs> tissues on my nose till four o'clock in the morning while them bastards are all dancing away. <laughs> and I can't get back in anywhere because I'm covered in blood with a hooter out here. I had to go and have it in the morning and have it all stitched up. Mate, no. With <laughs> another one in Leicester, nowhere, mate. This is a crazy night. Corby boys all out in Leicester, Steve Towers and all the boys. They know where they're going. We're going to this pub, and we're all stood there. Kev Gundim, a physio, big bloke, um, really, really good lad. We're all stood around this bar area, and I see this group of lads come running in, and I thought, What's going on? And there was these other group of lads there. So I've seen this lad run over and he smashed a bottle and he rammed it right in this lad's neck, right? And I mean, rammed it right in his neck, pulled it and gone like that and slashed his ear. Well, I've seen it. So I've gone pounding over. They've all like dispersed and gone, ran off these lads. This lad's on the floor, mate. His blood's pumping like fuck out of his neck. So this is no like, I've got my finger and I've got my finger right in his neck and I'm pushing pressure on his neck. I'm saying to Kev Gunder, Kev, some pressure on his ear, his fucking lobes hanging off, right, I've got him he's on the floor, this blood I'm absolutely covered in his blood so I've got him, the ring an ambulance and I can't move, my, Kev Gunn is going don't move your finger, don't move your thumb out of his neck just keep over that pressure point so I've got it right in his neck, right this is first pub we've gone in this is like seven so I've got my finger in his fucking neck the ambulance takes about 15 minutes I can't feel my arm, Kev's going, you can't move it you can't move it he only played for Leicester Tigers, rugby player, right? I don't, I can't, I can't even tell you his name now. They, they told me at the time who it was and whatnot. The club, pub got shut down, <coughs> completely shut down the pub. The woman who owned the pub said to us, "He's a fucking nightmare. He causes trouble all the time." This Leicester Tiger lad, he's perhaps been shagging mate, his missus or something like that. He's a bit like that. No word of lie. His mate said, "Oh, mate, I can't believe what you've done." The ambulance basically said I'd saved his life. Uh, Kevin Grundell is fucking here. Uh, so anyway, he gets took away the ambulance. I don't know whether he's lived or died. We're upstairs having to give all police statements. All the lads have just fucked off to the next pub. So I'm upstairs, <laughs> me and Kevin Grundell. I'm covered in blood. Kev's covered in blood. Night over, isn't it? Yeah, I've game over. Because I can't get in anywhere because I'm covered in blood. <laughs> so I've had a quite nice out with the lads, I have. <laughs> so every time I go out, I seem to be in my fucking bed by seven o'clock. Thank you for listening to the first part of the Touch Tackle podcast with Graham Drury. Stick around for the uh, second part, which will be released this time next week.